Hello. Hello. Industry. 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 Hello and welcome back to episode 29 of Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich. To learn more about my work and what's cooking, got a couple of exciting shows coming up later this month, go to friendlyrich.com. But enough about me, kids. Let's talk about Jessica Stewart. She's toured the world. She plays the Koto. Uh, she's the hardest working human in show business. Dig it. This is my talk with Jessica Stewart. Enjoy. Industry tactics. I'm here in the. Would you call this the living room? Yeah, living room, music room. Yeah, you're living, your music room, your living room. Jessica Stewart. That's my name. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And for talking about what you've learned along the way in the how many yar that you've been making music, Jessica. Uh, well, I guess I've been making music since I was, you know very very young because my mother's a musician but yes. I, I guess creating music since high school age okay okay uh but living in toronto and doing music full-time for nine years we're into it we're into it we're learning she lives in a half home like a like a 483 and a half <laughs> so this is where we're at we're in between homes here <laughs> in the jessica stewart living room and in front of us you won't be able to see it now but if you go into the virtual reality TikTok teaser you will hear her perform if we are so lucky <laughs> on this instrument it's a big slab it almost looks like a fish it's a big <laughs> slab of wood hollow is it a hollow deck it's hollow yeah yeah we got a hollow deck here never been so close to one in my life this is well, how do you spell it it's k o t o koto kyoto no k o t o koto whereas the word kyoto they, no <laughs> the y is silent how about coco say the word coco kyoko <laughs> okay this is great i can't wait to hear you is that a nylon string is this a plectrum they're, they're actually tech Tetron, which is, I believe, something like nylon, but my mother's, when I was growing up, always had nylon. I think that if we had been oh. born a couple centuries ago, they would yeah. have had intestine of some kind. Okay, bring out the intestine of some kind. I know. I and wish... let's make some music. Yeah, that's what they said, I think, before they started each session, but in Japanese. 
Is this how you come to music? The Coco? The Koto? <laughs> Uh, is that how I come to like? Uh, like, is this how you you fall in love with music through this instrument? No, not at all. Because like, uh, my mother is uh, uh, a pianist. She's got her okay. master's in music. She's an ethnomusicologist. So, ah, okay. um, from you know before I was probably able to form memories that would last, I've been singing along with her mm. piano playing or her guitar playing or her shamisen playing or whatever and exposed to you know mainly i guess classical world and uh and musical theater type okay. stuff and then a handful of folk records and then the beatles okay that's basically what here, here in toronto or uh, in vancouver i'm from vancouver right yeah. i knew that i knew that okay wow beautiful beautiful to hear so your mom led you here to this she, path yeah, of music yeah definitely yeah. and definitely the reason i play koto is because of my mother because she plays koto as well uh but it was just because my uh, family w was living in uh in japan for one year when i was in, in grade four yeah and um so at that time my mother was taking lessons of shamisen and koto and for whatever asinine reason i expressed interest in the largest possible in instrument that i could find Tours thus nicely. yes yeah. thus making problems for my future forevermore yeah and we're going to talk about that there's a big fish bag in the back for packing this thing oh you didn't even see the big big fish bag there's like a big fish box we are we're catching kelp here today on industry <laughs> tactics okay um yeah, I'm fascinated by uh, by by your path, and and I knew that about your mom because I think I I recall seeing you performing at the Harborfront Center. Yeah. Was it with your mom? Yeah, that double was... koto, very good rock and roll on the on the uh, on the outdoor it. stage. Yeah, it was exactly. a thing of beauty. That was that was really was cool. that that was special, eh? That was the first time that she had ever played my music. Like I had written music for her and I to play together with my band. So, um, yeah, she had oh. come to shows that when I would be touring out west, or if she happened to be in town here, um, and she'd seen some shows and she knew what I what I did, and she's yep. listened to my music. But uh, and then we've done lots of duets like of traditional music because when I studied we were in lessons her and I together in, she, in, Japan? in Japan yeah so it would be her and I together and I think she might have had some lessons outside of when I was there maybe she did like two a week and I did one with her and she did one on her own but we played duets like since ever since you what know was, what was that like like the you were in grade four yeah yeah what was the education style like when you were picking up an instrument there For versus I, I assume after when you learned here or when you studied here was it no I, that was the beginning of me playing koto was right. there but uh so it was very oh let me see um i i i can't tell you that i remember the exact substance of each lesson yeah. but um it was very formal. I mean, it was in a room with tatami mats and we sat on our knees like Seiza, the Japanese, like uncomfortable, make your feet fall asleep style You're sitting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did that. And, uh, hmm. and like my mother was obviously very advanced, much more advanced than me, but it was a really fun thing for us. You and your mom. Yeah. It was, it was oh, nice. Man, so that's beautiful. So yeah. And then there was also our teacher, um, required us as per all sort of traditional Japanese things to do like ensemble stuff with all the rest of her students a couple times a year. 
So we would do, you know, I played in like 16 person Koto ensembles. Um, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think there's some photos of that somewhere wow. floating around. But um, I think I was the youngest for sure. Um, Koto is not as popular as shamisen, yeah. which is like, shamisen is kind of like a more obvious rock and roll instrument. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And I there's, can see that. Yeah, I think there's these brothers who kind of made it famous in the past decade. I think they're the Yoshida brothers. Whoa. And they do like rock and roll, like, like shamisen shredding. with, yeah, yeah. With, with distortion and things like that and, and with rock and roll beats and that kind of stuff. Fun. So, um, so that's, and it, it's smaller. I think it's more transferable transferable and people sing along with that traditionally there's yeah. like you know it, it's a folk music instrument whereas um the koto was like a, a court instrument for the emperor's court okay. so it was like a rich person instrument yeah and it wasn't accessible to the public and wow. um of course i didn't know any of these things when i was nine and and making the, my foolish decision to pick up the instrument yeah <laughs> It's a thing of beauty. Can you uh, can we cut to some music of you and your mom? Do you have a recording of that? Yeah, duet? there's one that I we put that song on the latest album. Yes. Here it comes now. What's the name of the tune? It's called One Day, and it's about like things a mother would say to her daughter. And you wrote it? Yeah, I wrote it with her in mind. Yep, for my mother and I to perform at that Harbor Front show you saw. Here it comes now. Uh, a tear is welling up as we listen <laughs> to One Day.
What a charming tune that was. You wrote it in honor of your mom who brought you to this joy of, mm-hmm. of, of Koto. And it sounds like opened up the wonderful world of music, kind of got you addicted. Oh, yeah. Is that I, too I, much to say? Or Oh, no, no. I'm, she's my biggest musical influence by a whole lot. Yeah. And you said, so when you go uh, back out west, you, mm-hmm. you, you'll perform that tune with her, eh? Yeah, yeah. And I've kind of figured out some arrangements that will work for two kotos for some of the other material that's in that same tuning as that song so that she can come on stage for more than one song, you know? Yeah. If we're going to bother have, having two six-foot-long instruments, we might as well uh, make use of them, right? It's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. Is there anyone else in the city rocking this thing? Yeah, but... Um, Not like you. Well... The thing that's different about what I do, what and this is only what I've learned, this wasn't the plan from the get-go, Yes. Um, is that although people use the koto in a non-traditional context, like, mm. for instance, there's this woman, Mia Masaoka, who lives in, in New York, and she has a chromatic koto with many oh. more strings, and she will play monk tunes, for instance, which is like totally impossible on this type of standard tuning koto, because okay. mostly there's, it's pentatonically tuned, or yeah. just a little bit more, like you, we don't know 12, no 11 uh, semitones per octave type thing. Okay. Um, so she's doing that type of stuff, and then there's other people who use koto in like a new agey kind of background of a massage therapy appointment setting. Is it safe? Yeah. It's safe. Fuck, that. fuck them though, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, not fuck all of them. Maybe just, just a, fuck the new age yeah. stuff. Because okay. it's just okay. a little It's just a little easy. Uh, it's too easy listening, maybe. Y- yeah. Or there's something, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't find that it really shows off the instrument per se. Yeah. So my whole thing, which I guess is different, is that I want to use the koto in the way that I use the guitar but with its Mm -hmm. own instrumental qualities as a singer songwriter Mm -hmm. in arrangements with in like rock music style arrangements with bass and drums and singing yeah um so that's beautiful so i don't i don't know if anyone who's doing that i've seen um kotos in original music singer songer singer song songer singer songer i think that should be the new term that we Way use better from here for industry tactics singer song. We're here with singer songer Jessica Stark. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen it as like uh, an instrument that plays lines along with singing, but I've never seen it as like the rhythm instrument or the main accompaniment yeah. instrument in yeah. a singer songer project. You're onto something here, you're Who onto knows? something both with the term and and <laughs> and what you're rocking musically. So so okay, you grew up primarily then in in Vancouver. Yeah. Where, did you come? How did how, what brought you here to Toronto? I I moved here to do music full time. Okay, was, yeah, that was the plan. Is what is going on out there, at Wes? Is there no? Uh, is there well, not enough uh, digestion? <laughs> What's going on? You're not the first human to tell me that on this here podcast. I think it's, I think probably what it is is that, um, it's the biggest city. In, in Vancouver? No, no, Toronto is Toronto in Canada. Is. Okay, of course. So therefore, okay, more people flock, more playing possibilities, more venues. I mean, Canadian Music Week isn't happening in uh, Scugog, right? Sadly, nor in um, nor in what I can't pronounce any yeah. names of places in Ontario, small town yeah. Ontario. Yeah. Sorry, Ipper, I tried Ipperwash. Sure, how about that one? Okay. <laughs> 
All right, so so that's why you come here then. Yeah. Primarily because uh, for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I okay. just wanted to. I just didn't see how it would be as possible. I was living in Victoria after yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. So, um, especially Victoria is even smaller than Vancouver. So, yeah. Um, and there's just there's this sort of West Coast attitude which. Um, it's like the flip side of a thing that I really like about the West Coast. Like, mm-hmm. the laid backness is cool, and the going with the flowness is cool. But as far as you know, people committing to going to see music, theater, the arts, make plans that yeah. they hold on to. I find it's more common that it's it's okay to sort of flake out on it. Okay, and so. You know, I kind of like just playing out west once or twice a year and then having great shows versus, you know, in the past it was sort of, I don't know that I really got that far in the end. In Victoria, I I played in, um, like I did some stuff on my own, like my own singer-songwriter thing just with guitar and singing. Mm -hmm. And, And I also played in a couple bands, which did some stuff, but I just felt like nothing was really building you're only big in victoria and big fish in victoria i mean i thought i was all that when i was in victoria and then i moved here and i'm like whoa i'm not even half of that i'm like a quarter that okay and uh and i got a lot to learn to get up to snuff and you know i'm sure that's when people move to new york from from toronto they probably feel the same way and then you know or move to berlin or something they probably feel the same way um and i think that's good though because if you think you're the shit probably you're not the shit industry tactics there it is we waited for it from the big fish herself (laughs) jessica stewart singer songer uh were you rocking this back in Victoria, in Vancouver and Victoria? Were you no. rocking you with Koto? No, not yet. When I moved to, one of the first things I did when I moved to Toronto and I had committed to trying a full-time music career yeah. was call my mom and say, uh, I'm interested in buying a Koto. Where would I, uh, what would I be looking for? Because I was nine when I played it before. So I wasn't thinking practically like, how do I find a good Koto? Yeah. Um, See, the backstory on that is when I was in Victoria, um, after I had graduated from high school and left Vancouver, um, I had asked on several occasions if my mother might give me or long-term loan me one of her shittier kotos. She has two main ones at Mm -hmm. the time, Mm -hmm. and I know one was worse than the other. And so I thought maybe she would do that, but she wasn't confident that with my lifestyle at that time and my roommates and everything else that it wouldn't end up in a fire pit in a place at of, the beach yeah. with hippies dancing around it so sure. um so she said no several times and so i just uh, sort of abandoned that thought and and it was no longer in my head mm. so when i called uh, my parents about about buying a koto because i found that the only japanese instrument dealership in canada happens to be on the outskirts of town in toronto wow so that was good news where are the outskirts I can't even remember. This was nine nine okay. years ago or whatever. Okay. Wow. But one one of the burbs, like okay. either a Scarborough or okay. a whatever, something like that. And um, so not I a, asked. Not a Brampton. It could have been. Well, it was somewhere accessible by transit. Okay. So is Brampton accessible? Uh, it's my hometown. That's why I was oh, selfishly. Oh, asked. I knew that about you because the Brampton Indie Arts Festival. Thank you. Which you performed which I played at. at yeah which was awesome ah, I love that beauty, show beauty beauty it's all coming Fond full memories. circle here yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I asked them, my father and mother gave me some advice about what to look for, but I kind of felt a little bit like I didn't know what I was doing uh, and I was about to spend a lot of money on a Koto, but I was going to do it anyway. Because... Is your dad into this too? Is he Yeah, immersed? he actually used to play Koto and he's kind of like my mom's Koto tech. Ah, oh, you got to love this. Yeah. Um, so, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he's like an anthropologist and sociologist. Okay. Cool. Um, but uh, anyway, so I uh, called them and that was good. I got some information. I was on my way to buy this koto and all of the accompanying bits. And, the intestines. Uh, and it was a long bus ride and I got a phone call from my parents while I was on that bus. And they said, we've decided that oh, yeah. we are going to give you your mother's first koto. And it is already in the mail and it will be at your door or in your house by noon tomorrow. And uh, so I was like floored yeah. and yeah. the timing was impeccable. What a story. So I got there. I bought the bridges. I bought the picks. I bought the, uh, an extra set of strings. I did all, bought all the extra bits I needed and then went home. And the next day it arrived in a big like cardboard box, basically, uh, that had been like put together by the people that they paid to ship yeah. it. Yeah. And and, uh, and that was the beginning. And what so a I, then I started. Day that was. It was a very beautiful day, and I felt yeah. very motivated. And yeah. I started writing some music, and uh, and then I realized how difficult it was to sing while playing the koto because oh, no one God, does that. Seeing you do it is just you make it look easy, but it's really <laughs> fucking hard. It, it used to be hard. going at it just it used to be hard it's fine now it's fine now but uh i remember in the beginning it was like really nerve-wracking it probably took me about six months to uh to really get the hang of it and feel comfortable you know so what's your music education like then when like i know you i mean i know grade four <laughs> doesn't that just say it all though it kind of does no um it kind of does i did violin from age three to nine i did piano from age five to whatever i did yeah. um sang in choirs throughout elementary and high school yeah. and various singing groups i started trumpet at age 13 in stage band i picked up guitar at age 15 and that i stuck with and uh, and that's kind of all she wrote. Uh, I am mainly self-taught. I read, write, and, and you know, music and no music theory and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, just, I guess, from exposure and a little bit of work on the side uh, on my own. But, uh, yeah, I have no formal musical education via universities or colleges. Thank you for that. And yeah. when do you and when do you uh, when do you start? writing songs i usually stockpile little creative cells like little small bits which are exciting to me that they could either be like a a little rhythm rhythmic figure or maybe i hear a cool bird call Here and so go. i i record that and then i mangle it and then like with in i re reproduce it with instruments and slightly alter it in whatever way yeah um or it, I might have a slice of a lyric, or I might have a slice of a chord progression, or a little riff. So I, it's always this little bit. Kernel, kernel. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I stockpile those. So I always have 
more than 30 of those. Where are around. they right now? Like, um, they... Some are voice memos, some in my little bo- sketchbooks with m- lo- musical n- yeah. staff paper yeah. or with just blank paper. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like a deadline-oriented girl. Here we go. So, I see it. Um, hard, so, hard working. So, like, I see there's a show coming up and I'm like, I'm bored with the other, you know, 15 songs on our A-list of tunes right yeah. now. Yeah. So I'd like something new. Yeah. So um, so then I go, I listen through, and depending on my mood, something will stand out. The first thing that stands out to me from the, the stockpiled little musical cells, yeah. I'll take that, and I'll just pull away at it, like, like taffy or something like that. And I stretch that thing out, and I play around with it, and I add something else to it, and I, like, keep, yeah. like, playing with it. And then until, uh, until I'm like, yep, that's a section. And then I walk away and I go do something else. And then uh, I let it keep cycling through my head. I go back to whatever instrument I'm writing it on. Yeah. Replay through and then just walk away. When... What's your go-to instrument to write on? Is it, is it... Guitar is guitar? My, definitely yeah. the main thing. Yeah. But it's cool to write on different instruments. Yeah, too, no kidding. It, it brings out a different type of thing. And when do you unleash it to the public? Like you've got a gig a... this Friday, Canadian Music Week. Right. Are um, you going with Old Faithful or, or are you busting out the new toffee? Well, yesterday I started... Um, there we go. She's yeah. got some fresh toffee. I got some fresh toffee, but the I like truth that. is that I've got, I've got a rehearsal tomorrow morning with my bandmates. And so... The trio. The Jessica yeah. Stewart few. Yeah. So I... I could pull this together. What I would probably do to make mm-hmm. it work mm-hmm. is I would probably set down the structure of the tune and write up a quick chart. Yeah. Um, and then without having any of the words done or only a very small portion. And then between Wednesday and Friday, I would finish the lyrics and practice learning how to play my song properly. So the deadline is a definitely great motivator and you getting shit done. Yeah, exactly. But I've considered, I was, I was all in and I was going for it, but I'm realizing... I only have a few hours tonight after, you know, after this shit, after this interview. Okay. And, um, and I do have another thing next month with my group in a less, uh, time industry, like, industry, yeah, really. I mean, exactly. industry, speaking of industry tactics, are yeah. you excited to present to the industry at Canadian music week? I mean, the truth is that I don't have any agenda at this point. I just put out my third record and I'm not Three actually, records. Yeah, I'm not actually. I I think I'm going in another direction actually, um, with whatever's happening next. I I think what's going to be next, and this I haven't sort of made a formal announcement about this yet, but you are right now. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think the future thing is just going to be by my name, no few attached, and I think I'm going to pair down to a duo with electric bass, and I'm going to slightly change the framework of how I'm presenting my ideas. Okay. And uh, why electric bass? I would like to make for, well, I think it's going to have a a little bit of electronic elements to it, but there'll still probably be Koto, a lot of Koto, but I'm looking into possibly buying. There's like a half size Koto that my Koto maker has and that he made and that with an octave pedal. So I'm looking to make a touring situation not as much work for me. I've been um, buried in administrative work to be able to make these four tours outside of the country a year for X number of years work and doing all this stuff myself. With the trio. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like we kind of all played the largest possible instruments. I mean, we got double bass, a drum kit. We have six foot long koto, which is super breakable, plus your, guitar and electric uh, electric guitar and an amp. So what's your vehicle of choice for a tour? Like you were just in China. Yeah. What are you driving? They, we don't drive there. It's a bullet train tour. We travel oh, with a God. tour manager and we carry, we haul ass with all that shit. They provide backline of drums, <laughs> uh, amps at the yeah. at the clubs and a stand, koto stand. That's good enough. But I had to bring my own koto, which is like... Yeah, yeah. enough. It, yeah. It, yeah, plus guitar, plus breakables, plus double bass, yeah. uh, plus luggage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haul ass. It's a haul, yeah. You are so hardworking. So you've been doing a lot of touring. Yeah. Um, uh, are you... you so you're, when you mentioned administrative, is, is it all the planning to get on those... To make those yeah. tours work? Is that yeah. what you mean? Or, or yeah. do you mean like just tr trying to save up and support or both nope. it's, it's nope. all well, the business end of, of what you yeah. do yeah so actually not entirely nope to the money thing i mean yeah it's all of the above with yeah, yeah there's there's places we can go where we don't need grant support in order to make some money yeah. and obviously i pay my bandmates yeah. no matter what yeah. obviously but yeah, like you know I, at this point i've been doing stuff for long enough that unless it's say uh maiden voyage through continental europe i guess yeah. we've we've only played in germany and europe yeah, so yeah. that's why i say that yeah um then I, i'm not willing to not make money after the first time basically i need yeah. to i need to get paid too because yeah. i'm doing work yeah. yeah so um this new idea for my next creative out main creative outlet under my name yeah is partially logistically driven and so having a computer with some tracks and some beats having a half-sized instrument and maybe i won't bring guitar with me yeah. and electric bass <laughs> and having us singing backing vocal like them singing backing vocals me singing leads and doing some moody cool sexy music yeah this is my plan yeah i really like where you're at i really like the you're trying to you're being smart and and, yeah. and driven by equally the creative versus the good design like yeah. there's a lot in a in a good design right so i i like what what motivates you about about how to how to just do it and be smarter every time that you do it you yeah know? well i mean there's a certain point like i know everyone's gotta like pay their dues and put in their time and i i've been doing that honestly and like yeah you I know some people some people have the right timing or get lucky meet the right people who will then take over a big portion of that for them right and i've not been yeah so yeah, you got to do that. Some of that heavy I gotta, lifting. I got I got to be able to be a musician mainly, and right. then this other stuff to support my musicianness. Yeah, this is really you're touching on that that big portion of the industry tactics, which mm -hmm. is like how to make all the ends meet, right? Right. It's it's a hustle. Yeah, it's such it, a hustle. It is a it is a real hustle, and uh, it's still you. Like, oh yeah like this this duo version yeah for sure uh, you know i mean and we'll see what happens because right now this is like the the start this song that i'm writing for this week yeah. i'm writing it for that duo but i wanted yeah. to try it out in the live version with the trio and people are still wow. the truth is that i stopped booking for my band uh aside from i did throw in the application to cmw just because yeah. i thought it might be nice to just be around all of these people i see once a year yeah. who are in town and do yeah. a thing but yeah. 
aside from that, it's people are contacting me and I'll say yes if the if the gig is good and it sounds nice. And mm-hmm. aside from that, I'm I'm not reaching out. I've I've put it on pause. So I'm just sort of transitional You're in a redesign right now. Fa- oh, yeah. I love it. I love catching people in different phases yeah. and rethinking and, and just getting smarter with every move, hopefully. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the, dream, the idea. Right? <laughs> um how do you how do you how do how did something like a a China a tour of China how did that come to fruition? Like walk our, our listenership through that, how you kind of forged that and developed that. Right. So um, I guess I should premise this by saying that uh, I do have a few regions in which I have booking agents. See this? Okay. So there is that. And yeah. China is one and Good. Japan is another. Um, but uh, so those ones, I have much less work to do when we go there, Good. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because but it's still I had, heavy lifting. Yes. Yeah. Because I had, I have this Japanese connection and I had toured in Japan. Um, I met this fellow mm-hmm. who is a booking agent in China and a Canadian, but who lives in the States and, and Beijing, half and half, New wow. York and Beijing. Wow. And he knew of my project and he said, hey, well, I know you're often in Japan, so maybe you'd like to tack on a few weeks in China onto one of those. And he was talking to me about how he thought it would be a good project for that region. And I know nothing of China. I know a lot of Japan and I'm lucky to speak Japanese. So I have a very big advantage when I go there as being a white person who speaks fluent Japanese, can do stage banter, interviews, all that stuff, play the Japanese instrument. Love it. But I've never thought of going to China because I don't speak the language. I don't know anyone. I don't know anything about the culture, really, aside from what I learned from Chinese kids in Vancouver growing up. And uh, so he seemed convinced that it would work. Mm -hmm. So uh, we discussed further and I decided that on the next Japan tour I would do a tester one week what we call a tester one week yeah little little add-on to the Japan tour yeah um, so we went there and we did a week of shows and it was fabulous wow. it was amazing and um, even though in so China- smart this idea of a tester let's just feel out yeah, the market exactly well I wasn't gonna with just- his help with this book yeah help. exactly yeah. so so then when that was a success um, we decided that we would do a proper length one and so we went back um, this past November December for the first full length tour and that's cool because the bullet trains in China and everything in China is really cheap and the bullet trains are really fast like 300 yeah. kilometers an hour yeah and Sick. so you can get all over the country, you know, fairly easily and don't have to worry about flights, which is a problem yeah. with all those instruments I described yeah, us yeah, traveling with. Yeah, yeah. So it, it and it went really well. And I'd like to, I look forward to going back again. And okay. we have a fan base now. Now I have to like keep yeah. up with social media in China on WeChat is like bizarre. Wow. Yeah. That is fun and, and, and super exciting. Yeah. It was really fun time. I played with the guys who I'm playing with this week. Like there's many okay. different members to this band. I'm sure you know yeah. many of the people who have yeah. played yeah. Um, bass yeah. and drums with me. Yeah. So these guys and I went and so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them again for this thing this week because it's the first time we'll be playing together since then. Okay. And... Um... And so how does that work, not to put them on the spot, I'm sure, hopefully, if they listen to it, hi, gents. <laughs> uh, but how does that work with, with the idea of, I mean, I feel like it's totally up to you to do this redesign. Yeah. Is, is that cool? This redesign, I mean, yeah. how you frame that with, with them and... 
well, cool. are, are they as cool as they can be knowing that you're rethinking that you're at this stage and it, I feel like, yeah. it, you know, the, it's your, <laughs> there's so many different people who play with me. There's no like yeah, yeah. the band, like on good, the latest good, record, good. there's multiple drummers, multiple bass players. I like the way you do that. So it's, yeah. you know, I write the music. If they're not available, I got to still play the festival or and, do play the tour. And let's all be friends and, and yeah. call each other as much as we can to play. Right. I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. so good. I ideally, I mean. You know, I have a million ideas, so I'm happy to write all the music myself, but I don't have to. I, I don't have to. I mean, if someone wanted to be mm-hmm. a, a bit of a contributor, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I also think of the other time, to- on the same hand, though, or on the same hand, mm-hmm. no, the other hand, mm-hmm. um, I could just do, you know, keep doing a project, which is just my thing, and then do other, have yeah. many other projects yeah. going on. Yeah. I have a really great project idea. I'm almost scared to tell you in case one of your listeners steals my idea before I get it started. Oh, shit. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think your listeners would steal my idea? Oh, it would be kind of fun if they did. Well, I don't know. I have a great band title and I have a plan a concept. Okay. We can keep it safe here. I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you Through- then. Prefacing it with "Don't steal this idea." Yeah, do, it's gonna this, be a good one. We know it. I just gotta buy the domain name, and okay. then we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, my idea is that I'm going to start a singer songer songer project. I did good. it again. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's a thing now. It's really a thing. It's yeah. it just got yeah. into my I'm brain. I'm gonna there. do the intro as singer songer. That's good. Please do. We'll the... keep the continuity of this alive. <laughs> So it's going to be called Boring Songs. That's the name of the band. Fuck you. I'm going to steal this. Damn it. And then I am going to write the songs with like the fewest chords possible. You have to stop right now. It's too good an idea. I'm afraid you've divulged too much. (laughs) But it will just be like acoustic guitar and singing project called boring songs and that's that's it guys this is i mean might as well pack it all in fuck this koto shit fuck this electric guitar shit let's fuck you know everything else fucked up concept (laughs) to deliberately go there well i think i mean half of the shit you hear though well that's the thing is that my guess is that that, i mean i love the idea of, of celebrating it you know boring songs um i i you know, yeah, that's got legs for me anyway. Yeah, yeah, I I think for me too. I think it would be cool because, uh, as I mentioned, I have a million ideas. Uh-huh. I have no no lack of creative stuff to yeah. pull from. Yeah, and my taste uh, might involve more of these creative elements in one song than the you know average radio listener yeah. of of mainstream commercial radio. So. This idea started as a joke, but I, I'm quite serious about it now, which is that if I limited my creative creative ideas to very, very few, that I might have just a jackpot of a project um, more successful than anything I've done, which I really care for. <clears throat> you know, what's really interesting about that. Yeah. And boring songs. Eh? That's what it's called. Boring songs. That's yeah. the band name. Yeah. That's oh, it's a okay because I, I thought it would be really interesting to hear, like like for you to almost set it up as a framework and have d- different artists feed it. 
That's so that, like, that's like, not cause, bad. Cause, oh, I see. This is your way of stealing the idea without really stealing the idea. Because I'm really getting excited and want, I want <laughs> in on me like a nosebud. And what I like about it is the creative challenge to say, because it's, it's a thing like you hear it a lot. People saying, people tell me this a lot and I, I beg to differ. They go, surely, Rich, you would write, you could write poppy sounding music. Right, and right. I actually, I think I'm going out all the time, every everything I do to make it something like as good a... Ex- not art. not necessarily accessible, art. but I'm trying okay. my best. To, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think putting I love those little constraints of write the most boring tune you can. Yeah. Deliberate and. Well, I I thought of another how does that idea. Change your approach to it, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. I I That's sometimes I I find that limits are good because you can actually stretch yeah. to the corners of that little box you yeah, yeah. put around yourself. Whereas if you have the world's limit, you might go in a funny a couple funny tangent directions instead uh and maybe you won't cover as much or something somehow you won't use it up do you find um holding focus with such a such gold as boring songs as as a as a potential project do you find uh how do you kind of how do you plan it all out like where you're at right now, do you got like a, a two year thing or how do you kind of or do you do it project by project or are you really and think I'm a multitasker in yeah. life in general. And so yeah. what I'll probably be doing is feeding each of these projects. And I think that by do, approaching things differently, it sort of benefits the projects you're not working for by having a moment away, mm. um, yeah. gain some objectivity or something like that. Or, um, just keep it interesting like i'm certainly not like i i would never be happy in a nine to five or something which had like um like i, I need i need exciting yeah. new i need exploring if i don't travel i go a little kooky okay. um i i need lots of different stuff going on like yeah. you know currently i have you know definitely more than five regular projects that I'm involved with, which is not much compared to a lot of people yeah. we know. Yeah. And then another five that I dabble with from time to time. Uh-huh. And, um, and if I didn't have that, I mean, like I was saying to you, I think before the tape started rolling that this morning I was singing praises to God for money in synagogue. Right. Um, and singing as a soprano, like some stupid high notes in like, cl- Typical classical, you know, Jewish liturgy style music, and I like that too. And doing that wow, for a moment a is is fun. Yeah, totally right. That and that's how it should be. I, I mean, think so. For me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so what are the five acts? Like, what are the five core things that you've got? It's the main right things now? are. I, I'll say yeah. my project, whatever that is that that's yeah. one of them um i play with idiotech uh-huh. uh, which is the um, incredible radiohead tribute band uh-huh. um i play with civil ray which is a singer songwriter project uh led by andrea DeBoer. okay um formerly known as blue venus i play with uh i started just started playing with lizzie lyons who, sorry, mostly, there's no S on her name. Okay, uh, yeah, as a guitarist. Guitar. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, I sing in this synagogue choir. That's one of the regular gigs that I do. I just started playing with Alex St. Kitts Band Projector, wow. um, which 
I will be I right now singing backing vocals and then will be playing guitar in in the future as a second guitarist to Casey Roberts, who's an amazing guitar player. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and then I from time to time play with the Histrionics. Right on. Uh, I just ha- had my first gig back with them for after a long time um, oh, wow. of not playing with them. And then there's a bunch of other stuff. Like I sing with Element Choir sometimes, um, and uh, yes. as you know, as and uh, and then you know, there's a little jobbing band that I have called the Offbeat, and then you know, yeah. there's all sorts of different stuff. So. I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh, let's play the last thing you recorded. Okay. The freshest thing from your what's the last thing you did it's actually uh you've chosen a good one here we go um it's actually it made me change the name of the album uh it's the song is called passage and now the album is called the passage Mm. and this song was actually written based on a bird call that i heard in australia and um you gotta love birds mm -hmm, i do and uh it was written at my friend's lake house and it's a bit of a sort of reflection on it's as if you look at your life how your life could have gone if you were living in another dimension or you look through a portal at another parallel universe at what your life could have been and i i think it just sort of echoes some of the sentiment on my second album uh of the idea that for me, no matter how awesome everything is, I'm always sort of longing for something else. Mm. And there, it, it's a melancholy, but at the same time, that's I'm at peace with all of that. And I think that maybe if I didn't have that, I wouldn't adventure so hard or look, look so hard for creative things to fulfill myself or whatever. So, um, mm. so yeah, it's just a little little bookend on on that my last album it's the last tune passage life in less uncertain terms is never what you think what you think what you think throwing down the seeds it's hard to say where they'll go take from my eyes when I cry And when I laugh We'll see who grows Following your step Only fools would say they know It goes so fast but also to slow Catching a rerun of the usual
sharing that was beautiful <laughs> thanks i really uh the setup to that tune and what a beautiful what a beautiful track and that's off of your last record yeah. just out yeah well i was six months ago so. six months ago yeah. okay fresh fresh freshly baked there are newer tunes but not recorded right for there's hot toffee coming down the so are you working that hot toffee before you go into recording are you fermenting it are you touring it are you, i, I tour work? it i i almost never 
do come up with things and uh, arrangements in the studio. It's uh-huh. almost always before try it with the band. Uh-huh. There might be some elements like. For instance, that other track that we heard before, one day, mm-hmm. um, the strings elements and and the horns, I mean, those weren't preconceived notions when I wrote the song. I wrote it for two Koto's bass, uh, drums and vocal. Mm. Um, and then my co-producer, Ryan Granville Martin, on there that he album. Is. I went to school with that boy. He's a great what a guy. Man. What a great man. guy. Beautiful man, eh? Beautiful man. Like, if he lived in Oakville, I'd call him an Oakville hunk. <laughs> Eh? keep going keep going um so he was like i was hearing strings and horns for this and i'm like yep i can hear that and he's like i i'm happy to do it i'm like no i think i better do the strings you can do the horns i feel like the strings have too much expression in them for me to hand it off to someone else i think it's part of the composition wow more, you know, I'm like, okay. horns, I don't know what you want to do with them, so you can go ahead and yeah. do that. Uh-huh. So he wrote the the horn parts for lots of long tones and some other stuff, and then I wrote all these expressive string parts, and so that was new to that song, but the song had been toured before okay. and had okay. been played. Yeah, there's something about that, eh? Well, I'm learning what it can do, you know? like I think, for me, what it was was learning to separate myself the writer Mm. and myself the player Mm -hmm. and the other band members as the players from the song itself because if the song is actually a good song a worthwhile entity Mm -hmm. then it should be able to stand up outside of us outside of me so when you're on the road and being that my band isn't like we don't play every everything identically every time we play it that there's some interplay we play off each other there's yeah. some, we do some different rhythmic things like it's a set structure but we play around with how we interpret our parts every time yeah so when you do that enough times then the essence of the song really reveals itself it's uh-huh. like the thing that remains when you take the average of all of those things yeah um i like it so i i find that touring a song therefore sort of like Mm. takes it away from me and my identity and it makes it its own thing and i i understand like in certain in certain uh genres of music maybe uh the songwriting doesn't need to sort of stand up necessarily on its own it's about the playing like in some modern jazz groups or or things it's it's really about the the playing and the virtuosity or the the note choices the improvising right yeah um and I feel like that's not the thing that I have to offer per se. I feel like my songwriting is is my special thing. So I want to put that out there and then let it let it grow on its own. Have you had that opportunity to to send some of your songs to give them to to, to others to interpret and and how does yeah. that feel? Yeah, um, it feels really good. I've yeah. actually been doing some co-writing with some other people mostly for their projects uh-huh, not for me fun. it's nothing that i but do. great for you right? yeah it's yeah, really yeah, fun yeah. i it's that thing about boundaries that you were talking that we were talking about before yeah um where i just throw out the ideas at them and they're the gatekeeper on the song and they'll be like yes this feels like part of my it lines up with my mandate for this band or no it doesn't or maybe i can reinterpret this this other way or whatever and um, it makes cool things happen and when it's someone else's project especially i have like really i don't need to fight 
for any idea to yeah. make it through. I yeah. just throw the ideas out there and what sticks, sticks. Kind of like how we're going to co-write on our new project called <laughs> Boring Song. <laughs> Boring songs. Oh, you you could be part I of the boring song in. singular would, idea, well. and I'll just have boring songs <laughs> plural. Yeah, I've never written a boring song. <laughs> Can't relate. Um. So, what have you learned along the way? What 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 do you have to share with our young listeners? Like, what, you know, what are some good learning tips? Like when you address this crowd on Friday night, mm-hmm. you say, "Dear Canadian music industry." <laughs> Thank you for your acceptance. <laughs> I probably won't say that. No, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's probably not a good move. No, I've heard you say some crazy things on stage, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I would play a Canadian music industry gig. I think, I think in the end, I mean. What have you picked up? What are some good little tactics what's the one like for what can you de- define your question tactics that's a for shit what question like for for what, what? being a the, musician yeah, being creative like being a good performer being good at making it in the industry whatever that means like i'm well i just i you know what i'm more interested in i think is the uh how you keep going right you know and it is you're in in this interesting stage of like yeah contemplating going down from the trio to the to the Jessica yeah. Stewart too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I think that you just have to make art that you really stand by. Mm. Um, because there's a huge joy in that, and if if you're doing something for someone else. Uh, then if times are tough, I don't see how you would necessarily get back on the horse after, after the, you know, the fourth or fifth dip, because I mean, that's the reality is unless you get lucky and you're one of those people who someone recognizes your potential in the first year of pursuing your music career, which Mm -hmm. does happen to some people, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Most people have to just keep at it. And so if you're, and it's going to be ups and downs, it's going to feel tremendous you'll you'll play a show or play a tour and you'll have that everyone gets it that you feel value ascribed to your music you feel glory Mm -hmm. you get to you know be a rock star on stage you have great camaraderie with your friends and funny inside jokes Mm -hmm. and laughs and you get to see the world and you get to play your instruments and um have you ever gone off that um have you ever gone to where it feels wrong like have have you ever well, like, do, you, do you know when it feels wrong for you? Well, like you mean music, like creating music, that's wrong, or uh, or or hey, this doesn't resonate. I'm if you're if you're ever if you were ever doing it for the wrong reasons, did well, you, were you able to pick up on it, or has that ever really hit I, you? I'm that's I don't think that really applies to me because okay. I'm kind of unapologetically always doing just my thing, and, and you've always with a dis- that, eh? with like, a disregard for what sells and what's popular i'm kind of like i'm my thing should be able to be danced to even though it has it goes through four different meters Mm -hmm. you know there's a pulse can't you feel it you idiots you feel it can't you no i don't usually say you idiots no you don't uh i don't but uh yeah but but i get it you know so i'm kind of i and this wasn't in the beginning when i you know when i was 15 and i picked up the guitar and I learned to play guitar by lifting Led Zeppelin licks. 
and then I sang like whoever the person du jour was uh-huh. that I could sing like and uh, I didn't have my own identity yeah. but uh, but you know since a couple years into living in Toronto yeah I really discovered my musical identity and so I have never felt like I was doing it for the wrong reasons because I'm just sure. trying to put my art out there yeah so that's what I was saying before okay. is that if you're making music not to satisfy your creative whims or yeah. for your own satisfaction or because you love the sound of your music or that music and that's why you write it because it moves you yeah. then I could see it feeling off and I could see someone falling off off the horse on that one yeah. um, because yeah. why would you get back up and keep doing it again if, if the hard knocks of the industry come and you know there's rejections all the time constantly right so if you're not super confident mm. in what you're putting out there then you might start believing some other people so if you're doing something to satisfy someone else and everyone else is telling you uh, or every half of the people are telling you that's not good mm. what you're doing isn't good enough mm. then that that could be the end of your music career but if you're doing something that you love and you don't give a shit if someone else sees what's good about it because you know it's good mm. um in your opinion uh humble opinion that's all that matters <laughs> then you can keep going so i guess that's that's it so if you cool. put out a record and you say i hope it's good i think the record's not good enough that's my opinion if you put out a record and you're like, I stand by these songs, yeah. they might or might not like it, that's healthy. Okay. How do you deal with re- rejection? Are you getting one one a week? Uh, it depends. Sometimes it's like every day. Every day you get like a royal flush. Sometimes, yeah. And then sometimes it's not for, not like there's more space in between. And sometimes the victories are, are big in there too. But sometimes the rejections are no big deal. And other times... Um, they hurt mm. and so that's fun there's thank time... you for your honesty on that yeah oh yeah, good. yeah. For, for sure i yeah. mean i remember putting out my first album which I'll, I'll say for the record uh i mean there's some great songs on there but it was definitely a first album mm-hmm. i had things to learn mm-hmm. and it's not you know of the three albums i've put out i, I hit my stride at number two for mm-hmm. sure so you know there's some merit to number one but i wouldn't say it's like the best album I've put out for uh-huh. sure. It's it's the worst album I've put out, in fact. Um, well, that's how it should be. Well, yeah, I guess so, right? Um, I remember, and this is how I learned that lesson that I was saying about being about only putting out things that you're confident in and that you love, that you stand behind. Mm-hmm. So I had some question marks with that record, mm-hmm. and um, I know what I I did wrong, and that helped me do it right the next time. But I remember getting like one of my early reviews mm-hmm. that. It ended up being um, reviewed in the like Vancouver, the UBC, uh, I think it was called Discorder, mm. the UBC community radio or campus radio magazine, like okay. zine that they had. And so I didn't realize when I sent this one reviewer my album, but he his whole thing is that he shits on everything. Awesome. So he like okay. p- picks it his apart role. Yeah, yeah, yeah i did not realize that i just thought he was a reviewer so um he like oh, no. wrote like like five or six paragraphs like ripping to shreds my first album and like wow. the only nice thing he, he even said things like it's the kind of tripe that like starbucks soy latte um with half whip 
drinking yuppies in Uggs would love or something like oh, that. Like, wow, poetry. But he yeah. and I. That, some of those words were actually in it. That's not like yeah. that's not yeah. a direct quote. Yeah. Um, paraphrase, but uh, he said something. The only nice thing he said was mm-hmm. like, and then at one moment the terrible, uh, you know, garbage that I was listening to ceased and a breath of fresh air came on so he liked one song in the middle of the album <laughs> and he was like and i thought for a second the cd had ended and it had changed to another cd wow. and then and then i realized that it was just one great moment on a piece of utter trash or something like that so mm. and it's like the kind of shit where you know that no one who made who was involved with the record has any musical knowledge or something like every bad thing you could possibly imagine was in that review. I guess we and all at, have our roles, eh? Yeah. At the time, I was like, <laughs> I, yeah. It like smacked me in the face that when I was just like wow. beyond what I could have possibly imagined. Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to a publicist around then or a web guy or something, and he said to me, So, you got any reviews you want to put up here? I'm like, I only have a couple reviews so far. And, and, and and one of them's terrible, one of them's okay, and one of them's kind of good. And he said, is the terrible one that one from Discorder? I'm like, oh, you saw that? He's like, yeah, I researched famous, before we yeah. before we met up. I like looked up okay. your album and mm. some reviews. And he said, I said, yeah. He said, have you posted that anywhere? And I said, no, uh, I haven't. And he said, well, hear me out. Mm. Mm. Your fans won't agree with this person people mm-hmm. who love you and your music will not agree with this person and this person's opinion is bullshit and frankly if you look at everything else he's done he's never said a nice word about anyone so wow. um wow. why don't you post this share this with your fans and then they will feel moved possibly feel moved to respond yeah. and so i did i did that what he said and several people commented on his thing and said you don't know what the hell you're talking about and then they like cut up his review and said this is garbage that and that was an interesting lesson wow that's uplifting yeah to, to see that kind of yeah that's how that's how it should be right yeah i mean, I, I think and good for you for sharing that i think that's kind of cool well, to I, take his advice on that right? I, I didn't do it at first no but no no, I figured no i think it out. it's a cool move yeah. yeah i guess that's the other thing as far as advice to people who are uh-huh. starting off is that it's really, really good to always remember that there's always someone better at you, better than you at everything. Hmm. And, uh, and it is good to figure out what your special contribution is as an artist, um, hmm. which puts, sets you aside. But also being aware that there are people who, are, who move people more, who play faster who play tastier notes Mm -hmm. make more interesting arrangements sing better you know all this kind of stuff that that exists so if you think you're the fucking shit because some label or some manager or someone picked you up somewhere um like it's good to know that you've got merit but always keeping it a little bit humble and recognizing that it's always growing to do there's always mistakes being made uh-huh. and not to be like all um not to shy away from the mistakes right because that's like big learning time right there yeah i also think like to your little idea on on um the point you just made on on there's always someone out there with better 
whatever it might be yeah I, th- I think the interesting thing for me there too is like yeah but they can't do it like you like right the one thing when i look at this big fish here you know the, the, mm-hmm. the koto and 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 think of you on it it's like you're really doing r- remarkably unique like only you do this you know there's a fa- there's a beautiful Thanks, thing to all of that in the art that you make you know and 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 that goes for all of us i think in terms of how well i mean in ter- just in terms of how we kind of get it out there you know it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty special i always i don't know i'm 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 really fascinated by that lately of like why the hell i don't know how different we all are like mm-hmm. take on the same song it's gonna yeah. come out different take out the same idea i like right? that like, too it's really beautiful really beautiful it's like a cool psychology experiment too you know yeah yeah hey thank you for your honesty of course thank you for your insight hey you know my pleasure we're going to get into the uh the vr teaser please check it out you'll be able to see in this beautiful room it's it's just a a candy store here uh, <laughs> with a big koto in the middle of it so we're gonna hopefully be blessed to hear a little bit of uh, of music and uh what should we uh what should we end the podcast with maybe we'll go back to that second record something you're super proud sure. of um let me see here Koto or no Koto? You got to go to Koto. <laughs> well, we were talking about like how everyone plays the same song very differently. So yeah. I did one cover on that album, um, Here Comes the Rain um, by Eurythmics. So maybe we should do that. Thank you, Jessica Stewart. We really appreciate your, your love. Thank you. We Thank love you. you. Say, we love you. Thank you so much. How do you say goodbye in uh, the Japanese tongue well you could say sayonara oh sayonara
covering the Eurythmics classic, Here Comes the Rain. That was Jessica Stewart from her second record, Two Sides to Every Story. Thanks again, Jessica, for sharing all your thoughts and stories with us. It was a great pleasure to chat with you. Um, to learn more or send us a tweet, go to at Industry Tactics, and we'll see you again next time. Goodbye or sayonara.